been two weeks since we've uh, <laughs> recorded an episode, but I have made it down to South Africa, and I am joined today. It's our first podcast episode, actually, where I'm joined by a guest, and I'm joined by Michelle Soul today. And Michelle is a guide and has been a guide for several years. And when did when did you start, Mish? When did you start being a guide? Uh, 2012, beginning 2012, I started being a safari guide. Okay, 2012. And you worked in several areas in South Africa? Yeah, predominantly the Waterberg. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which Waterberg is, yeah, for which six is, and a half years. Which is where we met as well. Um, so yeah, and then more recently though, and this is what I kind of want to talk about more today because we'll have other <laughs> safari guides who will chat uh, to us in the next few weeks. But you do something that's quite unique and you have taken your safari guiding experience and you're transferring it now and using it in a completely different and unique location which is Antarctica. That's right. So tell us a little bit about uh, and that will be the topic of this week's episode I think will be an Antarctic and Arctic as well safari because essentially it is kind of like going on a safari. Yeah that's right. So Um, tell us a little bit about like how does an Antarctic safari look like the layout and like how do you get there and you know where do you do it from etc. So I work for a company called Quark Expeditions Mm -hmm. and we have two points of entry to Antarctica. One is in Argentina flying down into Argentina into a small town at the end of the world called Ushuaia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah called Ushuaia and the other port of entry is actually through Chile okay um, and there the flights that we do we you fly down so you fly um, over the Drake Passage or yeah you fly okay. over the Drake passi- Passage uh, to the South Shetland Islands oh wow um, okay. but the trips that I have been doing we actually sail across the Drake Passage from Ushuaia which is about a two day trip across the Drake Passage of like straight sailing through of straight sailing through fairly choppy um, waters you can have we call it a Drake Lake or a Drake Shake so, <laughs> um, I like that yeah the biggest seas I've experienced are, are 12 meter swells which is uh, big enough maybe. yeah that's like 36 <laughs> to 40 feet swells yeah and I do get seasick oh jeez <laughs> <laughs> yeah even after three years of doing that I still get seasick what what um, does what does the ship look like or I guess you call it a ship or a boat that yeah, you go down there that's right so the company I work for is what different ships um, but most the the most common one we have it fits 198 or 200 passengers on board and it has a double hull which means it can punch through a little bit of ice so it's not going to break if it hits a bit of ice for example Um, and they have got very good stabilizers on them because you need to have good stabilizers to go across such shaky water okay and so so for people who can't picture it I, I think I can but it it's looks like a bit of a marine research vessel um, like a very big version of that or yeah, like more a like ferry, a ferry more like a ferry more like a ferry but on a smaller scale so okay. it's not a huge cruise liner yeah um, it's a it's a, a mini version of okay that, if you like and they're yeah. comfortable ships to go on these how long are the expeditions or the like trips that you would yeah, do so most of the trip they vary uh, some go for eight days which would be a basic antarctic trip that okay. can vary between eight and 13 days yeah and then we do some trips that go across to the falkland islands and south georgia and there you're looking at 21 to 23 day trips okay Great. Um, so they'll go to the Falkland Islands, South Georgia, and then across to Antarctica. Brilliant. And and then when you so when you have finished the Drake Shake yeah. or the Drake Lake, um, what do you like? What do the days look like then when you've reached Antarctica, like the mainland, or when you've reached South Georgia? 
uh, when you're not sailing at full force anymore, yeah. what what does a day look like for you and for somebody who would, let's say, want to go on a trip with you or with Quark? Yeah, so typically we'll have a bit like a game drive. We have two excursions, mm-hmm. one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Okay. And you'll go out, you'll leave. There's There's nowhere to kind of get off of the ship and straight onto land so we have small inflatable boats there's no ports there's right? no yeah. ports no yeah. um, so we have small boats called zodiacs mm-hmm. which fit 10 guests on them it's um, like a rubber dinghy almost exactly yeah, yeah, yeah like a glorified rubber dinghy and so you'll have one guide per 10 guests and they have very strict rules in Antarctica, so you can only have 100 people on land at any one time. Oh, wow. Um, that sounds like a lot of people on land, but the landing areas are quite big, so yeah. you could, there's still a little piece of paradise for you to enjoy by yourself. Yeah. Um, so if we're doing a landing, we typically split the 200, so we have 100 go straight to land, mm-hmm. and then the other 100 will go on a Zodiac cruise. So you could be on land for an hour and a half, and then you do a Zodiac cruise for an hour and a half, where you're looking for whales, penguins, looking at the ice, the scenery, and then you'll then you'll swap over in the middle. So okay. if you've been on the water first, you'll go on the land and vice versa. Okay, yeah, so like that would have been my next question, but obviously you guys as the team who goes down there regularly know where you might see certain things right so you might know there's a penguin colony here yeah that's or, right. you, or you might know there's like a, an albatross colony here or maybe for example and i don't know but you do uh, that there's like whales that you might see in this area regularly that's um, right so the the whales are obviously moving around a lot mm-hmm. so typically at the beginning of the season which would be october november time mm-hmm. they're still making their way down south so okay. at the end of the season so march time it's like whale soup down there there's oh, whales okay. everywhere so seasons are from november to february march that's or? right okay yeah. sure and, um, and what are the like temperatures when you're actually on land there can it vary a lot it or? can vary a lot it's usually above zero above um, zero yeah, that's, so that's good celsius news. yeah <laughs> um, and we're looking at something like maybe between two and five degrees celsius okay so um, not like extremely freezing no, cold not, manageable can, manageable cold it can feel cooler because you are zipping around on small open boats yeah and if it's snowing then that you can start to get a bit wet through that too. yeah but it's not baltic yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> it's um, summer down there yeah great oh, great that, that, that <laughs> definitely encourages me to <laughs> to go as well i don't like very cold um all right so i just want to go back to the wildlife a little bit because of course on a safari in africa uh, we know that there are lions and elephants and rhino and kind of the the big, very iconic species. But what, you know, if you were to say, um, if you were to count five species that you find that are iconic Antarctic species or five species that you particularly like seeing and yeah. that you think this is why you should go to Antarctica, um, what would they be? Or let's let's pick three. That's easier. Well, they have to be penguins. Penguins, right. Because all of the other species there you could find... Elsewhere. Elsewhere, okay. So things like orca, minke whale, humpback whale, you could find outside of Antarctica okay. as well. But you have a good chance, or you have a chance of seeing them Definitely on an expedition. Definitely a chance of seeing yeah. them on an expedition. Okay. Yeah, I'd say it would be a very rare expedition that I don't think I've ever been on an expedition where we didn't see some form of whale, for okay, example. Okay, great. Um, and then the penguin species we mostly see um, in Antarctica itself will be chinstrap penguin, gentoo penguin, um, Adelie penguin. Oh, cool. And emperor penguin is further south. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I have never seen one. I've done three seasons down All there, right. and I have never seen one. But you might find one a bit lost. 
And explain this to me, right? <laughs> no, no. So now I'm confused because you say further south. Yeah. When you're traveling around the South Pole, does further south mean further inland or onto the mainland? Or no, what does literally it mean? further south. Okay. So some of the trips we do cross the Antarctic Circle. Yeah. Um, but if you keep going further south, you're going to encounter more and more ice and you're going to need an icebreaker ship. Ah, and an I icebreaker gotcha. ship is quite different okay. to, to the ships that we use. Are there any, I mean, are there companies like normal tourism companies where you can go on these icebreaker ships to see that's right Emperor Penguins so as the well. trips some some of the trips we do we didn't do one this past year but previously we have done a couple of trips a year oh, cool. that go down there but they are like research normally research or nuclear icebreaker ships oh, wow. that, <laughs> they're not normal tourist ships and maybe not as comfortable or? yeah probably i haven't been on one but they're not designed for tourism so much they're okay. designed for for research all right i got them. you so if you want a more entry level uh more comfortable trip if you're going on an expedition down to the antarctic uh quark and not going as far yeah. south are probably what you want to go with well and not going as far south i mean sometimes with those trips you'll be going for days and just trying to get south rather than yeah. days of exploring you don't have time to do that if you're trying to go somewhere specific okay so it makes it a bit of a longer journey in general if you want to see like an an emperor penguin um and what what is your kind of tell us tell us i don't know if it comes to mind now but can you describe like a really memorable experience you had it doesn't matter with what species um and something that happened to you maybe while out on a zodiac or that that you know people that would make people want to go down to antarctica yeah I think one of the most memorable times I've had down there was actually this past season and both of my parents came to visit so that's always quite special to have family in seeing what you're doing and we were actually on land enjoying um, some penguins with with a high viewpoint and then one of the guides spotted from the land he could see orca oh, in cool. the channel and so immediately from having a lovely time on land i wanted to be on on the water yeah yeah sure <laughs> um so luckily so you, sorry you want to go in yeah. to see the killer whales <laughs> that's it that's yeah. michelle for you guys just uh, yeah she's <laughs> she's adventurous to say the least um so as soon as the opportunity arose and it was time for the guests to switch from you know those that had been on the water to go onto land um, so I managed to hop on a boat that was going out to the water yeah. and we went out towards where these killer whales were and they were just so inquisitive. They were all around the Zodiac coming oh, really God. very close. And I mean, the, the males are huge. The dorsal fin of a male orca is two meters, it's six Whoa. foot. So it's a, it's a big animal. So it's above you almost yeah, if it comes out of the quite water. Quite right above Whoa. me, certainly, because I'm quite short. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, then they were just playing. There were a few young ones. And then the next thing, they started hunting. They started hunting Gentoo penguins. And so now you could see all these penguins pretty much, although they can't, they were flying out of the water, jumping out of the water. To escape. Yeah, to try and escape. Wow. The orca were certainly, there was a communication happening underneath the water. They were synchronized in their attack. Yeah. And yeah, I've seen that one documentary, and that's all that I can refer to is where, where the orca use their kind of tails, their um, tail fins to make like a wave to yes. get a penguin off the ice. Yes, they do do that. Jeez, that's incredible. So in this instance, they actually... Um, they they honed in on one penguin who then started heading straight for a zodiac thankfully not my zodiac yeah and the penguin jumped out of the water into the zodiac <laughs> <laughs> um, poor buddy yeah so that was quite a memorable 
experience i would say yeah i can imagine and um all right so that's kind of uh the antarctic you've also done one or is it two now Ar- one season in the, arctic. in the arctic yeah okay and is there a obviously in the species that you see there might be a big difference but is there where, where do you go from when you go into the arctic and what trips have you done so i've done i've been very fortunate i've done quite a few trips around svalbard mm. area so which is a big island north of norway north of right norway, yeah. that's correct and then i've done some across to greenland oh wow and so both the east and the west of greenland mm-hmm. um and then I've also been fortunate to go up to the Canadian Arctic. Oh, wow. So I've seen quite a bit of that side of the Arctic. And this year I was supposed to be going to the Russian Arctic, so oh. that didn't happen. Um, maybe another time that yeah. would be, maybe that next would be year. Maybe next year the expeditions and the trips start again, right? Yeah, we'll see. And what um, in the Arctic you have different species, but what would you say is... Because in the Arctic, of course, polar bears must be one of the highlights to see. Polar bears, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you got an experience that you could share with us or with people who are listening um, about a nice experience you had with a, with a polar with a bear polar or a nice sighting you had of a polar bear? Yeah, so quite different in the Arctic in that a lot of the interactions we have with these animals, especially the polar bear, is predominantly from the ship itself. Oh, okay. It's rather than the zodiac. You might be fortunate in that there's one on land and you can go and have a closer look at it from the Zodiac. But actually, a lot of our sightings are from the ship with Zodiacs on the, the sea ice. Okay. Um, with the Zodiacs, sorry. With polar bears walking on the sea ice. And why is that? Is that because it's hard to get close to them or it's dangerous or...? Yes, if they're in the water, we don't approach, we don't go anywhere near them with the Zodiac. Um, and it's not just because it's dangerous, but it's also because you can put a lot of pressure on the animal and tire it out by forcing it in different directions yeah, so sure. as soon as we see one in the water if we're in zodiacs we leave the area and okay. let it do its own thing yeah um as far as a quite a special sighting was this previous yeah so last year we had seen this bear and we had this really lovely sighting he came towards the ship and so he, they're not afraid of the they're ship. They're not afraid strategy. of the ship. Jeez. No, they're quite. They can be quite curious. And there were quite a lot of puddles. A curious puddle bear <laughs> sounds so frightening to me. You know that, or not frightening, but it just sounds like such a weird thing. Yeah, I suppose they are. They're curious by nature. Yeah. And so he came to have a look at the ship, and it was beautiful light. Uh, there were quite a few puddles in the sea ice so you could see the reflection of the clouds but also as the polar bear walked past or went for a drink because the the puddles he'll be drinking out of them um so that was incredible and then he just stayed and he stayed and he stayed and so in the end we all went to bed and we actually took a roster of the night to see what this bear was doing and he Mm. was just sleeping next to the ship i mean how cool is that yeah, except for when it came to be my turn to be on Bear Watch. It was like four o'clock in the morning, so everyone was asleep. And I was watching this bear, and he wasn't really doing anything. He was just sleeping. And then the next thing, he started to, to get up, and he started walking by the ship. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's now he's moving quite quickly. I don't want to wake everybody up on the ship. You yeah. know, this ship was smaller. It's 130 passengers. Yeah. Now I wake 130 people up, and the bear's gone. <laughs> So I phoned the expedition leader and I said, uh, the bear's on the move. I'm not sure what to do here. Yeah. And he said, well, do you, do you think, you know, is it going to do something cool? You should maybe wake everyone up. I said, that's got to be your call. I, I don't, I'm not sure. Please, yeah, please yeah, come yeah. up here. <laughs> and so I'm waiting for my expedition leader and going, hurry up because the bear is soon going to be, you know, he's, gonna, he's right alongside the ship now. Yeah. And then the next thing, this bear stood on its hind legs and put its front paws up yeah. on the ship 
but right below oh where I was. <laughs> oh my god! No way. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And did uh, you get some photos of that. I did get some photos of mm. that, and thankfully, I actually need to see that. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen a, one of your photos of a polar bear, to be honest. But that I specifically definitely want to see a photo yeah, of. It was incredible, and so thankfully the expedition leader hurried up, and the bear stuck around, and we were able to wake up yeah. 130 people to see the bear oh, right nice. next to the ship, and they got to see it. Yeah. Oh, great. So if you, there are different guides or different types of guides on these uh, ships and on these uh, journeys or expeditions you specialize i guess in photography right that's right um so what would you be looking to do with guests uh, who join on a trip with you specifically like why would you know if you go on a photographic antarctic safari what are you specifically looking to photograph and what um, you know why is it special to do it with you and with quark um, so during the time we have on the Drake crossing going down to Antarctica, so, so sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of lectures on board. Yeah. So part of, you know, I would do a photography lecture where I would talk about taking photos with snow because it's very bright. It actually confuses the light sensor within the camera. So the camera will end up underexposing. So you'll end up with very dark photos. Yeah. So there's a bit of a, um, there's a trick to photographing in okay. such bright conditions. Um, also, I think composure is a really big thing. Yeah. So a lot of my um, lectures focus on that. And even people with just cell phones, there's so much you can do actually yeah. with a cell phone. And you can change your exposure on a cell phone too, yeah. which a lot of people don't realize. And yeah. it, will cha- it will change your life down there. Yeah, I didn't know that you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so from, from the lecture, we then break out and do a bit of hands-on stuff with cameras to give people an opportunity if they've got a camera and they're not sure how to change those settings, mm. how we can achieve that. And, and then, sorry, the lectures are like during the day between activities or yeah, in the so, evenings so or something? There'll be usually the lectures are on the crossing on the way down ah, because okay, yeah. we have a couple of days there yeah. with not much happening. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and then once we're down there every evening, we have a recap. So, you know, that's an opportunity to sit to see some photos of that maybe other people have taken mm-hmm. and you can comment on those. And then always just being available to chat with people, look at their photos, suggest maybe something they could do differently. Yeah. And if I'm on land as well, I'll be saying, oh, you know, have you seen the blue over there? Let me help you with your camera settings. Yeah. Or it could be on the Zodiac, positioning ourselves in such a way where we get, you know, maybe you want a picture. It's very difficult in Antarctica because everything is so big and there's <laughs> no scale. So if you, I remember the first time I went down there, I photographed all this ice. But when I looked at it on the computer, you know, it could be the size of an ice cube, but it could be the size of a cathedral. Oh. So you actually have to take pictures of people... Um, with it with it because otherwise yeah. it means nothing yeah sure um, sure that's actually yeah i've never really thought of that no i hadn't before going down there either the depth perception as well must be right. quite strange it's right white. yeah and yeah. it's all white yeah um well that's that's very interesting and just uh, with regards to kind of the types of guides as well i guess there are and you've told me this but there's specialists for certain fields like what might some of those fields or types of specialists be so on each trip you'll definitely have an ornithologist okay you'll have a historian yeah you'll have a marine biologist yeah um usually a glaciologist oh wow okay um and then you might have some you know we've got incredible people some people are um like doing specific very specific like there was one girl that was doing a phd on skewers down there she was an ornithologist in general skewers are the birds right skewers are the birds that um not something that you put through meat and put on a barbecue (laughs) no not something put through meat on a barbecue 
Um, yeah, they're the birds that are meat-eating birds down there. Okay. Still penguin eggs and things oh, like that. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very um, cool. And then we often have, on one of our ships, that often the one I'm on, we have two scientists that are coming down and researching penguins. Okay. And so... So they're actually doing research on the boat itself? Yes, and they are an organization called Penguin Watch mm-hmm. and Cork basically gives them a, a lift down there if they you facilitate like. the yeah. research all right very interesting yeah so that's great i mean it doesn't matter if you're not as into birds you might be uh, somebody who's interested in the history of antarctica and it doesn't matter if you're not as into photography you might be more interested in you know the marine biology like the whales and stuff that's it um, and if you're not into any of that the landscape is just completely mind-blowing so there's there. there's a little bit of something for oh, for yeah. everyone Okay, well, all right, moving on from the poles, um, and I think we'll just chat about this. You've traveled a shitload. I mean, you've traveled all over the world. Um, I I don't know many people who've traveled as far as you have. Um, You are the same as me in the sense that you go to a place because you want to see a certain mammal or a certain wildlife spectacle, right? Often, yeah. Yeah, often. or Most of the time. Most of the time, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say 99.9% of the time. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, What, at the moment, would be sort of top of your list of either places to go or of, like, mammal or any sort of wildlife that you want to see? I think my top wildlife at the moment is probably snow leopard. Snow leopard. Yes, I think it's top of my list. Mm. Um... Where and how and where would you do it? Or have you put any thought and research into it? Yes, I think northern India is Mm -hmm. probably where I'm looking at going. Okay. Um, They only occur in like the Himalayas, right? The Himalayas, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So I think that's the highest chance of seeing them there. And there's opportunities to see one that's habituated and used to people or you have to kind of sit in a hide and wait for days to to I'm not entirely sure about that the people that I know have done it have been hiking in you know a foot of snow for days and have been lucky to see one (laughs) so that's the kind of thing I would expect to be going yeah yeah absolutely yeah well maybe we can do that together (laughs) at some point (laughs) yeah guys we're we're talking to you from a campsite in the Kruger National Park called Lataba and we've been going on safari for the last couple of days uh in the Kruger Park we've seen one or two really cool things I think I put something up on our Insta story a few days ago Um, if you want to have a look at some of Michelle's experiences she's got a very good Instagram page it's called A Wild Soul is that right? right? A Wild Soul S-O-L-E S-O-L-E because her surname is Soul Uh, and also on your Facebook right? Yes the same Facebook page and wasn't there a did you have a blog page as well? Uh, a website. A website, yeah. okay. Awildsoul.com. Awildsoul.com. So if you have any questions about any Antarctic stuff, uh, have a look at a Wild Soul or have a look at Quark Expeditions or send us uh, on Trunks and Tracks a DM or a message or an email. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more stories with a person in the safari industry. Um, all right, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye.